Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hi, guys. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Jen and I are so excited to be here chatting with you guys today. Today, we're going to be talking about a really fun I don't know if fun's the right word. It's kind of like intense, but it is fun. Advice to our younger selves and what we would tell ourselves when we had first started our businesses. But before we jump into that, our intro question for today is, what's a must-have on your desk or in your office while working? Ooh, good one. I think chapstick. It's like oh, the first yes. place that my mind goes. Like if I if I don't have my chapstick when I sit down, I know that I'm just gonna have to get up and look for it later. Like I won't get up to go to the bathroom. I won't get up to go drink water because I'll be so focused. But if I don't have chapstick and my lips are chapped, then it's like game over and I cannot focus. That is such a good one. I always am like having to run out to my bedroom or to my bathroom to get chapstick. Yeah. And it's the worst. So I really should put it in here. But yeah, I'm like one of you're those driving people, in a car, like if you're driving, then you don't have chopstick. That's like my worst nightmare. That's like torturous yes. for me. If my lips are chopped and I'm driving and I don't have chopstick. <laughs> I'm one of those people though that like takes chopstick and then puts it, I don't just leave it in one spot. Like I need to have one for my purse, one for my car, one for wherever. But I'm like, oh, I'll take it to my office and then I'll take it to the bathroom and then I'll take it to downstairs. And so it's never where I need it to be. Yeah, same. I feel like my must have on my desk is my bullet journal. I literally write whatever comes to mind, whether it's like, oh, I need to water the plants or I need to wash the dishes or I need to throw laundry in. It's like more of my personal bullet journal than it is my work because I keep my work stuff on Notion. But I feel like I need to have it right here. It's like a little bit of a comfort thing of, all right, all my lists are in here and someday I'll get to them. I don't actually get to them every day, but it's there. It's nice to have like a scratch pad like on the side. Like I have just a lined notebook Maybe I should just grab a bullet journal because sometimes I'll sketch in my just like lined notebook with like a blue ballpoint pen or something that's like not professional at all. But I do like having something that I can handwrite notes just in case I don't want to pull something up on like a call or something. I can just like be studiously taking notes about stuff. Do you ever write like business notes or like sketch in there at all? Or do you have a sketchbook? Yeah, I actually have two bullet journals. One is for like more work-related stuff. So I'll write actually just did my quarter one review in there. And then I'll use some of those pages to sketch. And then I have like a sketchbook. I have, okay, if I was going to count on my desk right now, how many books I have, I have my bullet journal. I have a sketchbook. I have my gratitude journal. I have my normal journal. I have another random scratch pads. And then I have my like scratch paper, which is all the printed paper that I didn't end up using. So I just turn it over and use it as scrapbook. I love that so much. There's a lot of paper here. <laughs> do you have like a really big desk? I do have a really big desk. Yeah. Yeah, I do as well. And when I first kind of moved into our current like living situation, I had like a smaller desk. But then like once my like regular, like big, I have a big standing desk. Once it got here, I was like, oh, I was going to try and make do with the smaller one just because like I'm in a smaller space. But I was like, I'm going to be bougie and like bring my big fancy yes. desk in here because like I need the space. It's like my mind space. It correlates. 
I think it's so like it's so necessary for me to have a big big desk because even when I go to work at the kitchen table, I end up like sprawling out, and then I feel bad because I've taken over the whole place. But yeah. <laughs> I have a really hard time just sticking to one laptop and one book. Well, right now there's a bunch of pillows and blankets on my desk. <laughs> it looks really like cluttered, but. I have like a pile of, now this is turning into what's on your desk right now, which I think is also a great question. <laughs> it's like, what's in your purse right now? Like, I always think that's yes. so interesting, like, like desk haul. Um, <laughs> but I have a pile of like mail and bills that like need attention that has been piling up for a really long time. That's that another like mainstay on my desk. It's but like that's all not a must stuff. have. That's no, not a must have. Not. That's just a... It's not a must have. I actually cannot stand that if I'm being honest. Like <laughs> if I have like things that aren't related to work, like bills, I actually just go down and put them on Jake's desk because he'll <gasps> deal with them. I so love he that. has a stack of <laughs> mail and stuff on his desk, but cannot be on my desk. <laughs> That's amazing. I need like a cute paperweight or something just to dress it up a little bit. The stack of documents is kind of a must go rather than a must have. Yes. Can I make that, that joke? So Sorry, true. that was just a really bad dad joke. Must go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Quick, before we like finish up this section, what's a must, another must go on your desk? Another must go? Oh my gosh. Probably like my wallet and like there's this old like credit card that I've been meaning to shred that's just sitting here. Oh my gosh. I had that for so long too. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, it needs to be shredded. I don't want to throw it away, but now I just, I don't know. There's a bunch of pens. Um, usually like my desk is pretty clear. Oh, I remember what I was going to ask you. Is your desktop on your computer very pristine or is it like a crazy mess? My desktop is very clean. I have three <laughs> folders on it and everything goes in those folders. So I have my personal folder, my live projects, and then my Sereth design folder. Wow. That's amazing. And Mine then just I put everything else. Screenshots and like PDF documents. And that stresses me out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like judging myself. And it's funny because like I'll share my screen pretty often with clients. And then I'll always make jokes about like, oh yeah, don't look at my desktop. And then they're always like, oh, haha, my desktop looks the same. But I like the new thing on Apple, like the newest operating system where like they realize that people don't like messy desktops. And so it just stacks like images, PDF documents and screenshots and it'll just go in and clean them out every now and then. So it doesn't like actually, I don't know, invade the space, but they're like kind of there. I don't know. I use it as like, yeah, like a drop space for just like random stuff. I think it's so funny because this like people who are like you, I think you know where things are on your desktop still, right? You just like, they're just on there. I know For me, if that happened, I wouldn't know where anything is and it would just drive me wild. That's why I have to keep like such structure. Yeah. I don't know. It's so interesting to see that. It makes me want to think about like, I mean, this is a, could be a whole episode, honestly, is that like, I'm super clean in my house though. Like everything has to be picked up. Like I do like yeah. clean sweeps every now and then my kitchen has to be pristine. Like yeah. my desktop, I don't know, maybe my artboards too. I'm a messy artboard person. So I'm not, I feel like <laughs> my personality, I just, everything I'm kind of a perfectionist. <laughs> That's okay. I'm a perfectionist in other ways too. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know, maybe I just have to pick my battles now. <laughs> Not that like you don't have to pick your battles too, but like, totally. it's like, oh my gosh, like, okay, well, the baby's going to wake up in 30 minutes. Like, I'm just going to like let it, like, and I also do that too with the kitchen. Like, you know what? 
I'm going to let the dirty dishes go right now. And that was yeah. really, really hard for me for a long time. But yeah, I think now I. <laughs> that's how I am. But anyways, we could have this as the whole podcast. I guess I you probably Sorry, should guys. talk about like <laughs> what we plan to talk about at some point. Yeah. So before we dive into our topic, as a reminder, if you are a $10 patron, stay on for an extra few minutes after the show for our super secret post-show show to hear us talk about taking time off and taking vacations while running your business. Yeah. Super excited to talk about that because that's something that just recently happened to me last week. So stay tuned. Yeah. All right. Today's conversation is inspired by an inbox question that we received from Meher Carr. And she says, if you could travel back in time to any point in your career and give yourself a single piece of advice, when would you go back to and what advice would you give yourself? And this is such a good question, Meher, because I feel like I want to tell myself so many things. I mean, I've only been in business for a year and a half and Jen's been in business for a little bit longer than that. And I know that even at every stage, I wish I could tell myself like to basically chill out, like you're going to be okay. <laughs> like, hang on, you're, you're doing great, honey. And I feel like there's so many things to say. And obviously you can't, like hindsight is always so much clearer, right? But yeah. let's talk about it. Yes. I think that this this particular inbox question, we might have answered at the end of an episode and it was just so meaty and there was so much that I feel like we could say about it that we're like, wait, we should just make an entire episode about it. So thanks Meher for submitting this. But I love, I was literally, I'm literally dying hearing you say like, just go chill out. And it's like, I wish I could go back to yesterday and give myself advice, you know? Honestly. (laughs) It's like a continuous, like growing journey, I guess. And when I was, I was talking with one of my mentorship students today and she was asking, like, do you feel anxious about whether the client is going to like something or like, I don't know, I'm just feeling really anxious about this. And I was like, honestly, that feeling doesn't ever completely go away. Yeah. Um, you can find better ways to deal with it and you can arm yourself with information and tactics to deal with whatever a client will throw at you. But I feel like when I was a younger designer or at least like not younger in age, but like newer in business, I would look at all these other designers and I'd be like, wow, they totally have it all figured out. Like everything's buttoned up. Their feed is just absolutely gorgeous. Everything is just so branded and like perfect. They must never feel bad about themselves or whatever, you know, and like the imposter syndrome was so real. And so like, we wanted this episode, not necessarily to be like, oh, we're just gonna like tell you everything like you need to do. And like, you know, that type of thing, but more like kind of putting ourselves in the shoes of our, our newer, fresher selves in business and recognizing that there's no End point, you know, like Morgan Rapp always says, new level, new devil. You know, there's definitely Mm -hmm. going to be something at every turn that is going to challenge you. But this was actually like kind of an emotional topic to like think about and prepare for because I feel like there's just been so much anxiety and stress in the past couple of years of trying to navigate owning a business and launching a business too. And I know Esther, you can really like relate to that. It's hard. And so this is just kind of like a 
a big hug to our past selves, but then also if you identify with any of the feelings that we're about to share with you, we want to extend that hug to you as well. Yeah. Because no one should be going through this alone. Yes. And I want to echo what you said of like everybody is in their different respective stages and you can listen to us and still not take it all in. You know, like you're in whatever stage you're at and you're going to do what you're going to do. And this is just what we've experienced and what we felt, but it really takes you going through your own journey too. And I know that's kind of like a little bit of a hard pill to swallow because we want to just know everything and we want to get the advice from everybody else and be like, all right, well, I can skip all of those stages. When in reality, we can't really skip them. You can learn from them and maybe you can skip pieces of it. But And we hope that you do not have to stress through everything that we did, but it is still your journey and it's going to be different. Yeah. So I'm curious what the very beginning of starting your business felt like for you, rather than like what you did and the actions you took, but like, how did you feel when you first like quit your job? So speaking of my bullet journal and going back through things yesterday, as I was doing my reflection of this past three months, I went back and read through all of the journal entries that I had written before I started and for my first month and my second month. And I was just feeling so like lost. I mean, I, I just felt like there were so many things that I was told to do, so many things that I was trying to figure out. I felt like I needed to do everything. I needed to get everything in order. I needed to figure out who I needed to be, the type of clients I wanted to work with. Um, and I put so much pressure on myself. I felt all of that. Like I felt like I had to get it all ready in the first month of business. Or even, actually, I felt like I had to get it ready before I launched going full-time. And I was, I felt like I was running around with my head cut off, just like, ah, I'm starting a business. I don't even know what I'm doing. I didn't even have any clients lined up for my first month. And I was... I remember just like being excited, but also terrified that... I was doing all these things and I was going to run myself to the ground. Um, Nobody was ever going to take me seriously. I was just going to be doing this for a long time and not knowing what I was doing for a long time. And it was just, honestly, I feel like the word is terrified. Like I was just completely terrified of who I was. I did not know at all who I was. I like that you wrote like, ASDF, like you put like a key mash in your notes. <laughs> yeah. Basically running around with your head cut off. Yeah. I'm I, like, like ah! I, I literally relate to that so much. And I think you highlighting just this emotion of fear that you were feeling. I wrote down in my notes debilitating fear, crippling imposter syndrome, intense lack of direction. Yeah. Bumbling around in the dark. That's like what I wrote down because that's what it felt like to me. And it felt like I was swimming upstream, but I also didn't know how to swim. So I was being asked by myself to do something that I didn't know if I was even doing it right. And that, I don't know, for like my perfectionistic self, even though my desktop is messy, don't judge me. It was really, really hard to kind of justify just how, how badly I just didn't know anything, or at least I felt like I didn't know anything. But then also putting myself out there. It's, it's a hard thing. It's like a hard thing to ask like 
someone who's new in business, you're like, oh, you need to show up on stories. You need to put yourself out there. You need to do all these things to create content. But then inside you're feeling this like crippling fear. It's like, that's why I I don't love that advice all the time. It's like, oh, well, you just need to show your face on stories. It's like, I think first, first of all, you need to do a little bit of that inner work to think about your fear and it's not ever going to really completely go away, but you know, move past it a little bit, you know, daily, weekly, yearly lifetime type of thing. Yeah. I feel like the whole thing of showing up on stories and Instagram and Pinterest and like really just doing all the marketing things. I felt so much pressure of that because going back to what you said earlier about the imposter syndrome, seeing other people who were doing all of that and it looked like they had their stuff together and I didn't feel like that. And even if you, I mean, I have talked with some of them, they were doing the same thing as me and just trying to pretend. Like you pretend to be the person you want to be until you get to that person, right? But there's a lot of feeling like you're not good enough and also trying to compare to people who have been in business for longer. And it just creates this whole cycle of nonsense, honestly. I think marketing, in my humble opinion, is crap and I've not been doing it for a while. And I think that like my business is still running and it's okay. Like there is strategy to it, but also like at the beginning of it, I felt like I had to do so much. I felt like I had to post three times a week. I had to show up on stories. I had to create reels and that burns you out. So like at the beginning, I felt so burnt out of I need to do this. I need to set up my LLC. I need to set up a bank account. I need to get an accountant. I need to figure out what my process is. I need to start my what my presentations look like. I need to figure out all of my invoicing and my systems. Like, I mean, I could go on and on and on. And these are things that you figure out, but I felt like I needed to do it in my first month. Yeah. I remember that feeling of just like this overwhelm and feeling like you're drowning but then also feeling like you're failing because like you're set up for failure from the beginning if you think that you have to do all of those things. Yeah. So I'm curious about like how that feeling maybe naturally faded or faded to the background or like what do you feel like were some things that you did in your business to kind of help combat that fear and that, that feeling of overwhelm? That is a really good question. This is not the best piece of advice, but I didn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't do anything. Like I just kind of let it take over my life. And for the first few months of my business, probably about the first six months, I was just doing so much. And I do attribute a lot of my growth to that. Like I did work really freaking hard, but... I was exhausted. Um, So I would say that I I didn't really do anything to specifically combat that at the beginning stages, but it did take me a while. And now I've started to realize more probably in the last year or so of, okay, there are all these things, but I don't have to get to them today. There are these things that are on my list. Like I said, I have my bullet journal that I just write things down in. I'm going to get to them at some point, but they're not as important. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, actually, I don't need to do that this month. It's okay, I can wait. So I think it's just more of the reframing of I have all the time that I need and I don't have to rush this. Uh, have you felt like that? Like what are what is something that you've done? That mindset shift that you just mentioned of 
reaffirming to yourself that you have all the time that you need in order to get the results that you want. That was a really, really big turning point for me when I started really embodying that. And especially that kind of coincided with me having writer and like not being able to like sit down and work all day because I love working. Like I'm definitely like a self-professed workaholic. Like my business is just so important to me. But then I was like experiencing like extreme like time scarcity, like anxiety around that, like kind of when I became a mom. And so I think that what you said is just really important. I want to highlight that for any listeners out there who feel like very overwhelmed by all of the different things that like people say you should do, or like you took a course and a designer said you should do this or whatever. It's like, choose what you think is going to make the most impact today. Like, and we talked about this in our schedule setting and, you know, other episodes. It's like, pick like two things. And maybe both of those things are client work and the rest of the stuff just flies out the window and you're going to do it tomorrow. You know, I think giving, and to answer your question is just giving myself permission not to be perfect. I think one of my favorite quotes that relates to this, and I, I didn't invent this and I don't remember who to attribute it to, but is clarity comes from imperfect action. And mm-hmm. I feel like that has kind of been a guiding light for me, even now when I feel super overwhelmed around, you know, juggling multiple projects or my recent move or, you know, other like personal things going on in my life. It's like action is only going to like, is only going to take place or growth is only going to take place or moving forward. If you actually take an action, like I can visualize all I want about what I want my business to look like. And, Oh, I'm going to write four blog posts a month and I'm going to do all this Pinterest stuff and I'm going to do this. It's like thinking about it actually doesn't have any impact on my business. I mean, like, yeah, you should do vision work. You should, you should journal about what yeah. you want. So I'm not, I'm not saying that like, don't like daydream because that's important. But like, I think moving past, like I have to do everything perfectly and picking just a couple things and then being willing to fail and understanding that like not everything I did was going to be impactful and just kind of taking a curiosity approach to my business. Like, I wonder what will happen if I post a story today, or I wonder what will happen if I tell my client this, or I wonder Mm -hmm. what will happen if I change all the prices on my proposal to be a thousand dollars higher. Like it kind of makes it less like anxiety, scary, fear, and more, huh, this is kind of cool. This yeah, is Yeah. Like fun. testing things out. Like a testing bit. things out, trying things out. So maybe that is, is helpful. That, that was definitely helpful for me, but that might be helpful for, for you, any of you listening, if you're, if you're feeling that way. Yeah. I, I actually just pull out my journal too, because I wrote something yesterday about this whole being able to take small steps and do little things here and there to see that growth. I wrote... I am a work in progress and I'm proud of myself for all the small steps I take daily to get to my goals. And I feel like that is so important to think about because yes, you could do one thing per day. It's like if you're trying to lose weight, you could just drink water that day and that's one step to get to your goal. Or it's just like there are so many things that you could be doing, but take everything in time. Mm -hmm. I also think there is something really important about picking and choosing who you listen to. Because, I mean, we're on a podcast and you're listening to us and we are so thankful that you're listening to us, but you could be listening to millions of other people. You could be reading so many blogs. You could be looking people up on social and listening and reading what they have to say. And we're honored that you're here. But also you have to pick and choose which people you want to resonate with and which people's advice you want to take 
because everybody will give you unsolicited advice and it comes from every which way and it could send you into a huge spiral of, oh, X person told me I need to do this, but X person or Y person told me I have to do this other thing. Where do I go? And you really have to just choose which one you want to decide to go with. I think that's so important. Calling through your follow list on Instagram, taking note of just the type of media that you consume, maybe doing a little creative exercise in the morning before you open up social media, muting designers on Instagram. You guys know I'm a huge fan of that. I unless do that too. I am, unless I am personally like friends with a designer and it's literally no hate because there's amazing designers that I really look up to. I just like either don't follow them or I mute them. Honestly, just for my own mental health because mm-hmm. imposter syndrome just creeps up on you and it honestly doesn't ever really go away. Yes, exactly. I'm curious, Jen, what are some things that have been really tough for you to work through? Maybe imposter syndrome is one of them, but maybe you have some other things that you've worked through in your few years as a business owner. Yeah, for sure. I think when I think back to like the really early days and kind of like advice that I would give my new fresh to business self, I think that I would encourage myself that if a client doesn't understand my pricing, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me or my pricing or my skills. And it also doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the client. I think that like understanding why clients have feelings about pricing or different reactions to pricing. I took everything super personally in the beginning. And I feel like I'd go back and encourage myself to be like, hey, like rejections actually aren't personal. They just didn't see the value. I think learning more about value-based pricing has been really transformational in releasing some of that responsibility from convincing or converting a client into being able to like pay a high ticket price for you. I think that like, I also wasn't very confident in my design abilities. And so when someone would have pushback on a price or would, you know, ask for changes to the proposal or be kind of pushy, I internalized that a little bit and felt like, oh, well, they have the right to do that because like I'm new or like I'm Mm. not that good of a designer yet. So like maybe I shouldn't be charging this number. You know, like there was a lot of that that came from. Yeah, I know. And like I know it's just it's important to like say out loud and talk about, which is why like, oh, at the end of this episode, Esther and I are gonna read letters to ourselves and I'm like totally gonna cry because like I was just so like, again, like just this crippling imposter syndrome where like Mm -hmm. I really was my, like my own worst critic, like my negative self-talk was so bad. And I didn't even really realize it fully at the time. It would really come from like a client's negative feedback that I would take super personally or like someone would reject my proposal and then I would spiral about it. I'd be like, what am I doing? Who do I think I am? I, you know, like, or I'll design something that I didn't like, or I would be in the middle of the exploration process where you're supposed to fail. You're supposed to make mistakes. You're supposed to design ugly stuff so that you can get to the right design solution. I would hold myself to such a high standard that like anytime I felt like I would slip or a client wasn't happy or whatever, I would just like really, really turn inwards towards myself and like start beating myself up about it. Yeah. So did you experience anything similar to that? Yes. And I want to say, I feel like this is so normal our industry is very personal. Like it's yeah. creative. So if somebody doesn't like your work, it's very easy to take things personally. And that translates to business and pricing and, and how a client reacts to. So it is 
so human as well. This is our baby. Like this is our our life. This is our job. And because it's not another company, I think that is why it also holds such a personal connection to it. So I definitely felt that and often still do, not in the crippling fear of it anymore as much, maybe sometimes, but mm-hmm. it is so personal. Like this is who you are. And when people don't see it, it's easy to say, oh, well, I must be doing something wrong or there's somebody who's better than me and there's somebody whose pricing is better than me. What am I doing? Like, am I just trying to be this type of person that I'm not? And it, it and you can go into a huge spiral about it. And that's something that, if that's something that you guys are going through right now, I totally get it. Yeah. It's, just, it's a personal <laughs> business. Yeah. And one thing to then flip that as well is it's a good thing it's a personal business. Like that means that you care about your work. That means you care about your clients and it means that you care about the business that you're creating. So yes, you're going to take things personal, but how do you like take that and not get completely torn down by what somebody has to say or if somebody's going to decline you? It's more building yourself up and knowing, okay, I, I care about this a lot. That's why it hurt me a lot. Yeah, I think it it kind of comes back to what we were sharing in previous episodes about having a baseline like schedule. That baseline metaphor can apply to so many different situations. And I feel like this is definitely one of them. Like if you have a baseline of neutral energy towards your clients, understanding that it's not like the negative feedback is not personal and that kind of approaching any sort of like challenge as or negative feedback as like a welcome challenge that not only makes you a better designer, but shows your clients higher value because you're listening to them, you're integrating their feedback. Go back and listen to one of the very first episodes of season five with Esther, where she's like, I kind of like when clients give negative feedback because yeah. it makes it makes it. But honestly, like, and I think in the moment I was like, no, I just want every client to be like, oh, just like approve it, like no questions asked. But like, I really do think that some of those more negative situations, quote unquote, can actually help the client see you in a new light as a consultant and be even more excited about where the final thing ends up. So yeah, I like to think of my client relationships as personal relationships. And that's not to say that I'm best friends with all my clients, but in the same way of you want your friends to have these hard conversations so you can get to know each other deeper and have a more intimate connection I want that with my clients because then I get to know their business and them and understand what like makes them passionate and what they're trying to get out of their business and what they want for their consumers. And the feedback that's negative is really helping to get to the point where it's going to be close to perfect. Yeah. I did not understand that when I was fresh to business. I took everything super, super personally. But yeah, I mean, like, that doesn't like having that baseline of this like amazing neutral energy doesn't mean that I don't still feel personally one way or the other about feedback. I don't think that's again an, another thing that's ever going to really go away. But I think that if you're like noticing that every single time you get negative feedback, you're experiencing this like spiral or this like really internal like beat down process, um, that might be something like something to think about journaling about or talking to a friend about or something like that, because 
I don't know. I mean, I've, I've cried, you know, within the last three months over a client project, you know, like I, it's just going to happen, you know, and, uh, you learn, you grow, you move on and you establish what you want to have happen next time. That's, that's a huge lesson, lesson that I did not know in the beginning. Jen, you've talked about neutral energy a few times on the podcast. I'm curious if there was a like point in your business where you were like, I'm going to have neutral energy in every meeting or did it just kind of like grow? Well, I mean, I think that like the person that I learned this from, it's like another shout out to Morgan from, um, design biz mastery is like, that was just kind of like something that really stood out to me from, from that particular course and learning about like, okay, my clients feelings and emotions don't have to be my own emotions. And I feel like I kind of took that and ran with it. And, you know, like they taught in DBM, applied that to my sales process, applied that to my lead generation process, applied that to my client feedback process. And I feel like that was kind of like a protective mechanism to keep myself from those like spiral moments and those like internal beat down moments. I'm just going to call it internal beat down moments. Uh, You guys all know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. And that's actually really kind of blossomed into me adopting that type of energy in my life as well. Like I've talked before about toddler tantrums. Like you don't get down on the floor and scream with your toddler when they're having a tantrum. You have neutral energy. You provide options to them. You wait out their frustration and allow them to calm down. And then you proceed like a grown adult because you're not two years old. Yeah. (laughs) And so like that is just like applicable to like interpersonal conflicts your kids, your partner, your friendships, your clients, your business. I feel like it just like, I really relate to it so much because it was almost like my permission slip to like be able to be in control of the way that I reacted in situations and not allow other people's opinions, thoughts, feelings, reactions end up bleeding into my own. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that it's it's normal for us to want to let people's reactions affect us. And something I've been learning through therapy actually is to take a step back and really look at it from, all right, is this actually harmful or is this just an emotion that I'm feeling in this very moment? Because if it's an emotion I'm feeling, all right, I can sit in it, I can let it affect me, or I can try to understand it, also sit in it, but then take the step away and say, all right, I'm not letting that affect me anymore. I'm moving on. I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm not letting this tear down my life. I feel like it's easier said than done for sure. But the days that you do, it's like, okay, I can take on the world. I can do anything. Yeah. It's kind of like separating yourself, distancing yourself, and then also being curious about what you're feeling. I mean, even from yoga teacher perspective, you know, like one of the things that I was taught and the things that I will say in classes, like not actively teaching right now, but something that I say in classes is like, notice your thoughts. Like you are not your thoughts. And so that was also a huge piece of advice that like, I wish I could go back and tell myself when I was first starting is that like, your identity is not your thoughts. Those can actually be separate from you and you can have a curious perspective and approach to huh, Mm. I wonder why this particular situation is causing me to feel this type of feeling. Like, why is this triggering for me right now? Like, maybe it was a past client experience. Maybe it was something from your childhood or whatever, you know? And I think working through that in therapy is just so, so beneficial. But like that separation, it's like, okay, it's 
it makes sense when you say it, but like when you're in the moment and having an emotional reaction about something or like, you know, we're talking about that fear and everything, it felt like that fear was who I was when I was starting, you know? I have an interesting like parallel to make. So you know how when you have, when you file taxes, basically your business is a separate person than you. Yeah. Like you're two different people. So I think when you're going about life, like in therapy, I'm working through who I am as a person and what I want and like how I react to people. But then my business, I have to like think about it in a very different way. So essentially like my business is my entrepreneur self is a separate person than my personal self. And yes, they overlap in some ways in the same way that your taxes still overlap in some ways, but like you still have to come at it from a space of, all right, who am I in this world? Who am I as a design business owner, as a creative, as a collaborator, and really digging into that because it is going to be different than how you react to your spouse or your best friend or your dog. Like it is just wildly different. I love that metaphor. Usually I'm the metaphor queen, but Esther, you're the oh, metaphor you know. queen today. I love metaphor it. Metaphor queen. I'm doing it. <laughs> no, it's I'm great. I'm stepping into that. <laughs> even with that tax metaphor, like when I became an LLC, it was actually really hard mentally for me to even untangle the thought of my business as a separate entity for myself. Right. And so like I, you know, in talking with other people about like taxes and LLC and advice and stuff as that, like disclaimer, please talk to your accountant before taking any legal or tax advice from me. I was, my accountant was like, your business files its own tax return. Your business files its own tax return. And I'm like, the fact that you're not saying you is really, really hard for me to wrap my brain around right now. And so I think that like, even just like a realization I'm having now is that like, I was so entangled in the success of my business when I first started. And here's another point of advice that I would give myself is that like the success or failure of my business has absolutely nothing to do with the, with my success or worthiness as a person. Oh, and you can so, hear that. Like, can you say that yeah. again? I feel like you need <laughs> to say that For the people in the back, for the people in the back, your business's success or failure has no impact or relationship with your worthiness as a person. <laughs> snaps, snaps, snaps for that. All I, I did not make that up, but you can hear that all you want when you're first starting out, but it won't flip the switch until you're ready to really understand and believe that. And so I'm not like shading on my past self for feeling so entwined with like the client didn't like this, so they didn't like me. Or I didn't win this client, so I'm bad. Or like, I'm not worthy because my Instagram feed doesn't look like her Instagram feed. You know, it's like, I feel like now I have a much more healthy relationship in dividing myself as a person and my business. And it's not as personal anymore. Like I, I'm like, you know what? Bring on the rejection. 10 clients in a row. Tell me no. Tell me my prices are too high. I'm going to keep coming back and keep coming back. You know, (laughs) I like almost want to cry thinking about like how I was putting so much pressure on myself. Cause like if somebody were to come to me, like you listeners, I am just, I want you to not feel like that because it is, it's painful. Like I don't want anybody to go through any type of hurt. Like I want our businesses to just flourish and be beautiful, but it really, it just sucks thinking about I know. And that's why, that's why kind of preparing for this episode was like kind of emotionally challenging because it like started digging up some of those like past feelings that I had had 
But I also think that it's like really healing to talk about it. And so like, if you are, you know, even a seasoned designer with 10, 15 years of experience and you feel like you haven't processed some of the like, just, I don't know, doubts or feelings or fears or whatever from when you first started, like grab a friend, get on Voxer, like talk to your mom, talk to your dog, whatever is helpful for you. Because I feel like, I feel like I'm having a therapy session right now and it feels really good. So (laughs) just call us your brand therapists. I know Esther and Jen brand therapists. Brand therapists. I have something that I learned and I would love to hear what you learned as well. Just kind of how we've evolved over the years. Um, Something big for me is just knowing how to trust myself and the process. Every piece, every time in business is its own little season. And each stage is literally just that. It's a stage in your life. And I think when I first started, I thought that I needed to have it all figured out right then and right there. But reframing and seeing it as little segments of life, quarter one, quarter two, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I have another metaphor that yes. I've been actually thinking about a lot lately. So you guys know I love my garden and I'm so excited to get out into the sun soon um, and put stuff in there. But when you think about a garden, there are different seasons of a garden. There is the planting your seeds or even starting them inside the house under grow lights. There's the transplant stage. There's the watering stage. There's just watching it start to bud a little bit. And then there's the waiting where you're just kind of like, all right, well, I've done everything that I can. I just am waiting for it to grow. Um, You then see it flourish and then you get to harvest it and enjoy it. And each of those stages have their own feeling to it. I mean, when you're watering and just like, all right, well, I'm watering this, but I don't see anything. Or you're just waiting for things to grow. Sometimes that's how I feel like I am right now. But then the stage where you get to harvest and eat the juiciness of your tomatoes or like taste the yumminess of the cucumbers that you've grown. It's like, oh, that was so worth it. Like each stage in that, including the stage where it's all barren and dry during the winter. Like, yes, that sucks, but it's just going to come back around. And I think that with a business, there are all of these stages and sometimes they go out of order which does not really relate to that garden metaphor, but there is time for everything and things are going to bounce back. Sometimes I think that, oh, my business is in a barren stage right now and I just can't get out of it. It's never going to grow again, but just wait, give it a few months, give it a little bit of sunshine, give it lots of love and it will come back. I love that. I, oh my gosh. I love you put cheesy, but I love the analogy. I don't think that's cheesy at all because that was another really big thing that helped kind of snap me out of some of those like really negative behaviors that I was like, you know, acting toward myself, if if you will say like that. Like sometimes parts of your business will be barren, whereas other parts are flourishing. And then those parts will be barren and then other parts are flourishing. I feel like rarely is everything perfect though. I feel like there's always something that is like, you know, growing. And I mean, and even just hearing you say that, like, I feel like I am definitely like kind of coming out of this like winter phase. It's coinciding with the actual seasons too, because Mm -hmm. it's like springtime and everything. But like, I was getting a ton of projections and it was like, I wasn't 
going to let it ding my confidence, but like it, there's only so much control you have over that. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of price pushback. A lot of people think, saying the pricing was too high. But I just, I stuck to my guns. I wasn't going to lower it. Um, I wasn't going to go back on the value that I knew that I provided to my clients. And I was just telling Esther that I had a really, I have verbal confirmation, so no deposit yet. So don't hold me to it. But I have a pretty high ticket branding only client, which is my favorite type of project. Mm -hmm. Just come through yesterday and say that she's ready to move forward. And so it's like all of those people that told me no to those like low four figure proposals. And now it's like all of those combined would have like covered this one person that's like going to move forward. Yeah. You know? The soil for them was just not right. It wasn't It was ready. not right. <laughs> I love that. So keep that in mind too. When you feel like inquiries are slow, you know, think about, okay, what can I do to plant seeds now that I can harvest from later to continue out with the metaphor? Yeah. I feel like in the beginning of your business, and this is how I felt, is like I was just planting so many seeds and I just didn't see anything grow. And then, discouraging. Yeah. It's like, great. I've done all this hard work because planting seeds, honestly, is kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like your hands get really dirty and kind of boring. You get dirt under your fingernails. And yeah, like you don't see anything. You're just like, all right, a seed's in this soil. I don't know. I could talk about like plants forever, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. <sighs> Do you want to read? Our letters? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? I don't care. Okay. Well, just to let you guys know what's going on, we both prepared a short letter to ourselves back when we first started our business. Mine's linked first, so I guess I'll go first. Okay. And we also have not read these. We haven't read the other one. So like I haven't read Esther's and she hasn't heard mine. Um so I'm just going to go ahead and read through it and then we can like to chat about it. But, you know, it's really not as much a discussion topic, but more like I am kind of putting this out there for myself, but also for anyone else who resonates with some of the things that I talked about and some of those feelings in the beginning. So yeah, love it. the context is this, um, in 2018, right before I started my business, um, I had just like kind of quit my magazine design career basically in New York City. I closed down my Etsy shop. I was living in a town that didn't have many like in-house opportunities for designers. And I really didn't know if I was ever going to like find a career that was exciting for me um, or allow me to contribute financially to our family. And this was kind of like when I had first decided that I wanted to do a brand design. And the first three months, I didn't have a single inquiry, didn't make a single sale. So that's the Jen that I'm talking to right now. So I said, dear 2018 Jen, if you only knew what lay ahead, you'd go balls to the wall and launch this brand identity design studio tomorrow. Well, I guess it was about like when I, before I had first started. If you only take away one piece of advice from this letter, it's to just start, take imperfect action, move forward one day at a time, but don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Just start. You are going to fail. You are going to advertise services that nobody buys and you will feel embarrassed. People are going to think that you charge too much and turn their noses up at you. You'll have difficult clients and you'll have quote unquote, burn it all down days. You'll question whether you were cut out for this business life, especially once you become a mom. But you have to start because you know what? Someone, a stranger, not a friend or your mom is going to pay you $2,300 for your first full service brand identity package. And eventually you'll be consistently hitting five figure months. 
You're going to be able to pay yourself a salary much higher than what you were making at your job in New York. And you're going to be doing it while working part-time hours. Clients from all over the world are going to choose you and pay you because of the vision and recognizable style that you cultivate over the years. You'll be able to spend an incredible amount of time with your son, who you're going to love so much, and he's going to drive you nuts um, because you built a business that supports your lifestyle, not the other way around. You'll start a one-to-one mentorship program that helps other designers feel seen and heard just like you wish you were when you started. Those designers trust you and think the world of you even when you don't believe in yourself. You'll get to meet and connect with so many incredible people, fellow designers, photographers, copywriters, and more that you'll laugh with, cry with, celebrate with, and mourn alongside. You'll meet the most beautiful soul in Giselle Field and you'll get to spend, oh my God, you'll get to spend two incredible years building this very podcast with her. You'll feel indescribable pride and devastating failure, but you won't get to experience any of those amazing things if you don't take a chance on yourself and start something that you don't feel worthy or capable of. Give yourself the gift of starting when things feel scary and unknown and let yourself get better one step at a time. Oh, guys. Mm. I love that. Uh, so I wish that, I don't know. I just wish that like I could have got like could time travel right now and go tell myself that because yeah. it honestly would have felt like complete insanity. And this was only like four years ago, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't about. that long ago. Like it's insane. So yeah. It's so like what stood out to me is like, that just don't be afraid. Just start. Like you are going yeah. to fail, but it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And you have grown so much and I'm so proud to be your friend and just to Aww. get to see you grow because I know that where you're at now is not where you're going to be in four years. Like it's going to just be so I different know. too. That's insane to even think about. It's like, wait, how could it get better? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so grateful for all the wonderful things that have happened. And like, I just think about like, what if I had been too scared to put myself out there? Because mm-hmm. I was on the cusp of not doing it, you know, yeah, like I was on the cusp did. of, but, but I did. did, I somehow, I like reached deep down inside myself and was just like, I went balls to the wall, guys. I did it. Yes. And I love <laughs> that. Like, I mean, you called it out too. You've built the business that you dreamed of. Yeah. And, and yes, like through blood, sweat and tears, like it has not been an easy journey, but you have, and you're still continuing to grow and make it exactly what you want it to be. And I'm I'm proud of you, and I hope you are proud of yourself too. Sure, guys, I'm like crying right now. Oh, I knew this was gonna be emotional. Like it was emotional for me to write it, but like saying something about saying the words out loud mm-hmm. is like really, really like impactful, you know. So I want to hear your letter now. Okay, I don't know how I can pass that. No, after no. that. Okay, I, 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 I got really like carried away. No, it's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to gather wow. myself for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let me read my letter. So I wrote my letter to myself right before I started my business in 2020. Um, I was feeling so, so much. I just came out of a toxic work situation. I was feeling hungry for more, but I didn't really know what that was. I was feeling anxious about whether or not I'd be able to make any money because I didn't have any clients lined up. I wasn't sure of my self-worth or if I'd be good enough to really do this thing. So my letter. It's kind of awkward reading a letter to yourself (laughs) (laughs) on air. Okay. Dear Esther, I remember what it was like to be you just a year and a half ago. 
It was a tumultuous time in your life, one filled with uncertainty, anxiousness, excitement, longing, and fear, to name a few emotions. You're going through it all, trying to figure out who you wanted to be, what you wanted to do, how you wanted to show up, where to look first, and looking every which way to find out how to do it right. You really put yourself through the ringer there. And I'm also so proud of you for how far you've come and the business and life you've created for yourself in just 16 months. But if I could go back and give you some advice, this is what I'd say. Be picky about whose advice and opinions you take. There are so many people out there who could give you their take on your business, on your schedule, the programs you should take, your pricing structure, your systems. Don't listen to all of them or you'll get your head spinning way too fast. Find your people, start doing what you're doing, and learn as you grow. I know it's tempting to want to get the details from everywhere, but you'll go crazy. Trust me. Observe and learn from others, but don't let those who have been at this for longer than you make you feel insecure about the work you're creating. There are so many talented people out there, and you are one of them. But no one talented individual can take your superpower away from you. So don't let them make you think you're not good enough or that you're just pretending. And if they make you feel anxious, just unfollow them. Know that it's okay to not know your niche or have your service list down pat right away. It's okay to change past more than once. In fact, it's normal and encouraged. You're not going to be the same person forever. You will inevitably figure things out as you go. So cut yourself some slack that you don't have it all nailed down right now. You have time. Rest easy knowing that you'll be able to make the money you dream of and more. It's easy to stress about it month to month, but when you're showing up, doing the work you love and pouring passion into it, people will see that and exuberantly pay you to do the same for them. Give yourself grace for the days that you don't show up fully. Your business is going to flow how you need it to in every season. There are times for rest and it does bounce back. Be proud of the days you do show up fully and take the days you don't as the recharge that you need. It's only hurtful to beat yourself up for not waking up early or doing all the things on your list. You get to them eventually and time moves on. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself to strive for perfect, but rather just progress. Be proud of what you're creating and know that the journey will help you get better. I am proud of you. I love you. You got this. XOXO, Esther. Oh, I love this so much. Yours was just so much more chock full of like actual good advice. And mine was just like an emotional blubber. <laughs> Which I love your, like the emotion in yours too. I, I mean, I love the advice in mine. I think no, that if I great. saw this going back, I'd be like, wow. Yeah, it's easy to like think about all the things that you want to do and who you want to be. Yeah. Just take it a day at a time, right? I feel like these are going to be really good for us just personally to go back and look at on hard days too. It's almost like encouragement to our future selves at the same time. Yeah. I think that like the biggest theme that I saw in, in, in hearing you read this letter is that like, it's okay not to know everything or do everything. It's like pick the things that excite you and then know that like not Rome wasn't built in a day <laughs> to use that like little phrase, you know, like mm-hmm. when you wrote like you have time, I feel like it's so simple, but so impactful to even fully realize and understand that like you don't have to like make 10K in your first month, you know, like I made zero dollars mm-hmm. in my first quarter, <laughs> you know, and like, there's some day, there's some months and, you know, I'm sure there'll be years where my business doesn't perform as well as I want it to. 
But the beautiful, beautiful thing about life is that like there's always tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I think that just kind of like wraps everything up with a beautiful bow into our our tagline. You know, it's like that's what we're all about as a podcast is incremental steps forward, actionable stuff that you can do in every day, and then just allowing yourself to be better every day. Or if you don't want to be better one day, you don't have to be. Give yourself grace. I love that too. I think it's just, I mean, take it one step at a time and you inevitably will get better because that's life. Mm -hmm. You're going to get stronger. And the fact that you're even wanting to get better and listening to advice from complete strangers, like that is... Hi guys. <laughs> That's huge too. So yeah. we're excited for you guys. If you have like any thoughts or something that you're currently working through, feel free to send either one of us a message or if you want to post it publicly on the Facebook group, please do. We would love to connect with you, especially if you are just starting out and um, going through some of these emotions right now. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too. So share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.